your motto for the year. Isaiah 43, verse 19. That's it, isn't it? Do you know that? It is sad, isn't it? Isaiah 43, verse 19. It is. I'm pretty sure it is. I think it was uh, mentioned when I came to, to your church a couple of weeks ago. Um, and uh, forget, forget the former things. That other one? Alright, forget the former things, do not dwell on the past, see I am doing a new thing, now it springs up, do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Is that the one? Yeah. Thought it might be. <laughs> That's the one that they said it was anyway. Um, hmm. Okay, well what I want to do is look a little bit at that, okay. Because if that's like a word that God spoke to you as a church... It isn't only to you as a church, and you have to remember this, it's also to you and to me as an individual. So the scripture is not always like, okay, well, we'll give a motto for the church, or well, that's for the church, it's not for me. No, that's not how it works, it's actually for you as well. And how we listen to God and what he's saying in those words is how we listen to God, I guess. The Bible says that it's the living word. It's the living word of God. In John it says the word... Is God. The Word was with God in the beginning. The Word became flesh. Jesus. So Jesus became the Word in flesh, okay? And we know that we've just gone through Easter and we know that this Jesus, the Word of God, was the one that was crucified for us. Amen? So we know all that. And, and so therefore on the foundation of that Jesus has forgiven us our sins, and I don't know about you, he's changed my life. Has he changed your life? Put your hand up if you think Jesus changed your life. Yeah, it's changed our life. It changes our lives. You know, in John 3, 3, it's Jesus said, unless you are born again, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. That is so key to our walk with God, and that is foundational, unless you are born again. And in that being born again, to have trust in Jesus, it's being born spiritually, that the Holy Spirit would come in, that we surrender our lives to God, and then the Holy Spirit comes in. Amen? You need the Holy Spirit. We all need the Holy Spirit. I cannot function without the Holy Spirit. Um, do you know, I, I could tell you so much of what we've been doing in this last four years, but I just want to do this uh, and see how we go. But when we go to India, we went to India in November, people probably, how's India going? Okay, a very, very brief thing. Thank you for all those people that have always supported us, all those over the years, amazing support. Let me tell you, uh, one orphanage... Uh, built, one, two churches built, one community centre built, and we're going to build another orphanage very soon. And then I just heard recently about put, doing wells, you know, you can put a well in a remote village. In the remote villages of India, where at this moment in time it's 45 degrees, it's a bit warm, and they don't have water. Here's the problem, when the Christ, people become Christians, when they use the foundation of being born again, John 3, 3, and they trust in Jesus, because let's face it, they've got thousands of gods, but through all that myriad and that uh, mosaic of gods that they have in India, praise God, they find Jesus, and in that Jesus, he transforms them so much, they get healed and their lives are completely transformed. However, the problem is, people still in the village, who might maybe Hindu, they won't let them have the water. So then they have to, have to drink water out of the, the rivers. And they die, unfortunately. Um, and I heard about this, and then last just last year, 
And uh, a guy called Samuel Joshua, he puts wells in villages and it costs £700. £700, that's all it costs to put one well in a remote remote village in India and provide enough water for 1,200 families. Do you know what? That was the best £700 I ever spent. Isn't that amazing? £700 is nothing, is it? Four meals out. It's nothing, is it? And it provided 1,200 families water. Isn't that awesome? So we're actually, we've, we've actually now in the last six months, we've done 10 wells now, which is amazing. God just provides. And, and so imagine that. How many families are being saved? Anyway, that's just how the power of Jesus can change a situation. That's just how it can be done. So we're still doing India and um, we're still following Jesus and we're still believing in this amazing son of God that transforms people's lives and I hope you will do the same. And he says here, forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Isaiah 43. And um, why did he say that? In the previous two verses, 16 and 17, he said, this is what the Lord says, he who made a way through the sea... And a path through the mighty waters. He who made the way, who drew out the chariots and horses. So he's talking about him going through the Red Sea, of course. Who drew out the chariots and the horses, the army and reinforcements, reinforcements together. And they lay there, never to rise again. Extinguished and snuffed out like a wick. What did God do? He took the enemy of Israel, because let's face it, Egypt wanted to just destroy Israel. He took the enemy of Israel... And he snuffed it out like a wick. Have you, ever, have you ever put a candle out? Once it's in, you put it out, you blow it out, it's gone, hasn't it? It is of no use. So he made the enemy absolutely useless to the Israelites. What is your enemy and what is my enemy today? And I don't mean even in flesh, I mean within the enemy within. What is the enemy in here? Uh, the enemy of fear. The enemy of anxiousness. The enemy of... I don't know, I've just had enough. (laughs) The enemy ever can't be bothered. The enemy that I've lost, the the zest of life. What is that enemy? You know, sometimes we're all plagued with enemies. And you might be sat there and think, well, I've none of them. Praise God, that's wonderful. Uh, I, at this moment in time, as I'm standing here in the presence of God, I have none either. Because when the Holy Spirit comes upon me, I have a peace and it's just amazing and I just forget it all. And that's a little bit about why Jesus wants us to keep connected to him. So that the enemy within is snuffed out like a candle. Okay, so that's it. Forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. What new thing? We can read this and think, oh, well, that's great. Thank you, uh, Richard, for giving us that. Um, What new thing? New thing that we need a new pastor. What new thing? You see, you can look at it just as a church, or you can look at it as an individual. What new thing for you, Peter? What new thing? What new thing for you? What is the new thing? Then he says, now it springs up, do you not perceive it? Can you not, can you not see it? Can you not smell it? There's something going on. And, and God's speaking to us. And then he says this with a promise, I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. So God's going to step into your life and my life and he's going to do something, amen? I want him to, do you? I'd love him to. I always want him to do stuff in my life. I'm hungry and thirsty for God to do something in my life. I just am. I just am. So with that in mind, right, 
we're going to look at, I've got to keep an eye on the time. It's 20 past 12 and we all know that we can go on a bit. Um, Naaman, healed of leprosy, 2 Kings chapter 5, right? So hold that thought, what is the new thing in your life that needs taking care of? What is it? What is that new thing? What is that new thing that you'd like God to guide you in? Or is it that you don't have a new thing and you just want God to guide me anyway? That's not a bad thing, is it? I don't actually have any. I'm, I'm actually really quite content. Whatever, Bring it on, God, whatever you like. What do you think? Challenging, eh? It's challenging, isn't it? We like, we like to know what's going to happen tomorrow, don't we? We like to know what's going to happen next week, do we? Some people do. Some people don't. Ross doesn't. But some people do. <laughs> Who knows? But when actually Jesus said, actually, don't worry about tomorrow, in Matthew 6, didn't they? Don't worry about tomorrow. Um, just think about today. It kind of lined up that Jesus gives us the bread for today, but not tomorrow, which is in the same way as the manna as the Israelites went through the wilderness. God provided them with bread on the day, and don't take more enough for that day, because actually if you take more than enough for that day, it'll rot anyway, and it's no good. Of course, you got some people collecting more than enough, and then sure enough, the day after, it had all gone a bit nasty and mouldy, and they couldn't eat it anyway. What's that telling? That's the same principle. Don't worry about tomorrow. Okay. Anyway, let's go to Naaman. So Naaman, he was a commander of the army, uh, the king of Aram in verse 1. You can put that up if you can find it, Michael. Um, 2 Kings 5. Whilst he's finding it. He was a commander of the army of the king of Aram. It said he was a great man in the sight of his master, highly regarded because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram. He was a valiant soldier. He was a valiant soldier. So everything was great for Naaman. Forget that little last little bit there, but he had leprosy. We don't know that yet. Everything is great for Naaman, okay? He's a great man. He's a great soldier. He's head and shoulders above the rest. He's worked his way through the ranks and he's a top dog. He's a man, okay? This is Naaman. And everything, everybody looking at Naaman, watching him walk past him, oh wow, look at Naaman, he's great, he's a soldier. I wish I could be like Naaman. But little did they know that under all that armour, he had leprosy. And you know, sometimes as we go through life, everything on the outside looks great, and we can look at somebody and we think, oh, I wish I were like them, wish I had that, wish I had this, wish I had the other. And actually, we do not know what's under the armour, do we? We don't know. Because people will look at me and maybe think, well, maybe. Oh, I'll look at you. Look at you. People will look at you and think, wow, look how look, good looking they are. They're just amazing. They've got everything. They never want for nothing. They're always happy. They're always smiling. They're always this. They're always that. And actually, when you get the armour off, there's leprosy underneath. Interesting thought, isn't it? You would never think that, would you? So what does he do? He's got leprosy. And then it says on verse 2, Bands of raiders from Aram had gone out and taken captive a young girl from Israel. And she served Naaman's wife. You know God's amazing. Sometimes we might think God's like so far away, yet it could just be using a young girl, a little girl, just to speak, just to say the right thing that we wanted. It works, doesn't it? It's true, isn't it, that? Out of the mouths of babes. You know, sometimes we should let our babes talk. 
I never keep telling him, shut up, be quiet, be quiet. Be quiet, I'm watching tell her. Be quiet, I'm trying to do this. Be quiet, I'm trying to do that. You know, I encourage your little ones to talk now and again. It's not a bad thing, okay? And so there we go. Uh, she served Naaman's wife. She said, she said to her mistress, if only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of leprosy. How did she know that he had leprosy? How did she know? It wouldn't be something, uh, Naaman, the commander of the king's army, walking out there, oh, by the way, I've got leprosy, guys. He wouldn't want them to know, would he? You know, if he said go, they went. If he said come, they come. If he said stop, they stopped. Because he was a commander. Whatever he said was it. And then here we have, he's got leprosy. And this young girl, she knows all about him. Isn't that amazing? You know, the Spirit of God knows all about you and all about me. He knows the inner man. He knows everything about me. He knows my fears, and I'll tell you there are some. He knows my worries and my concerns, and I'm just like you, I have them. He knows, he knows the people that I long to be saved and long to be healed. He knows, he knows those that I'm really concerned for, just like you do. We're all the same. And then he says, and then she said, uh, the girl said from Israel said, uh, by all means go to the king of Aram, replied, I will send a letter. So the king sent him, he said, yeah, if you want to go, go. Now look at Naaman, Naaman left taking him, verse 5, taking with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten sets of clothes. He took a lot of money and a lot of clothes. <laughs> he was loaded up. Why were he loaded up with all these? Because he thought with all his wealth and because he's a great guy, with everything he has... I'll take it and give it because I'll get healed. He's trying to buy his healing. He's trying to buy his salvation in a way. He's trying to buy his uh, the sickness to be gone, isn't he? That's what he's doing. Imagine what he's thinking. What would you think if you were Naaman? See, he doesn't know God. He doesn't know God. Later on in the story, we, we're told that he, he has to stand with the king on his arm while he worships his idol. So he doesn't know God. And this young girl speaks and says, you know what, you need to go and see the prophet. So he takes all his clothes, it says, as soon as the king of Israel read the letter, he said he tore his robes, he thought, oh no, they're coming to the king. See, he's thinking he's going to go to the king and the king's going to heal him because the king's the king. There's only one king and his name is Jesus. There's only one king. People will tell you there's more than one king. I'm going to tell you this morning there's not, there's one king. And his name is Jesus. So don't believe that there's more than one king. Because Jesus is the king of kings and lord of lords. He's the only one that rose from the dead. He's the only one. There's not another. That's why he's our king. He said, see how he's trying to pick a quarrel with me. And then Elisha heard this. Verse 8, he said, the man of God heard that the king of Israel had torn his robes. And he sent him this message. Why have you torn your robes? Have the man come to me and he will know that there's a prophet in Israel. Elijah... Sorry, Elisha knew who he was in God. He knew his God. And sometimes, if you're a little bit like me, the cares of this world can overpower you and I'll lose sight of who my God is. Just sometimes. Praise God, not all the time, but sometimes. Because I know that Jesus makes a difference in my life. I know that everything that I ever did wrong is forgiven. I know that I do not need to hold any guilt of anything that I've ever done. It's completely forgiven. How do I know that? Because it was done on the cross. We thought about it last week, didn't we? I'm sure you did. 
on the cross of Jesus. The power of the blood of Jesus Christ is the most powerful thing because it can forgive sins. And we are so blessed because we know that. Why have you torn your robes, he said. So Naaman went with his horse and chariots and he stopped at Elisha's house. You could just see it, couldn't you? There's Elisha sat inside having a cup of tea, minding his own business. I don't think he'd be watching telly because I didn't think they had him in back in them days. But he'd be sat there having a cup of tea maybe or a little, you know, whatever. Or he might have just been praying. Anyway, whatever he were doing, imagine when the, this commander Naaman, who is like seven foot tall, you know, got all the gear, riding the best horse, stood out from everyone else. He would have been different. He thought, oh my goodness, who's this? Didn't, didn't phase Elisha. Elisha... <laughs> Elisha sent a messenger to tell him to go and wash. Elisha didn't go even go to the door. Elisha didn't even go to the door. Elisha didn't think, oh my goodness, Naaman, the king of the armies is here. Oh, I'll go and get his autograph. Not interested in that sort of stuff. Look at me, I and I go, go and have his photograph taken with him, a quick selfie. Not interested in any of that stuff. He stayed where he was in the presence of his God. And he said, Lord, you know, what shall we do? And God told him, I'll send, send him, go and tell him to wash in the river. You can imagine. Imagine Naaman. Well, we find out, no, he's not best pleased, is he? I wonder if you'd be best pleased. Imagine you've tried, we don't know how far they travelled. I mean, somebody will know, but I don't know. They've travelled probably a long way. And he's got the horse and he's got ten sets of clothing, all this gold, all this money. And he's all loaded up and he thinks, right, well, I'll give this Elisha probably and he'll wave his magic stick and I'll be healed maybe. I don't know. I have no idea what he would have thought. I don't know, what would you have thought? You see, what, what the Bible does, encourages us to step in to the story. You step into the story, and that's how the Spirit of God speaks into your heart. You step in. And so, <laughs> he says to him, Go wash yourself seven times, verse 10, in the Jordan, and your flesh will be restored, and you will be cleansed. Elisha didn't even tell him this. And sometimes we're looking for somebody to give us the word of God and it won't work unless it comes from that person, right? When actually, when you walk in the presence of Jesus, when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you have the ability to speak a word of God of encouragement into somebody else's life if you are so open to the presence of God. Did you know that? Did you know that wherever you put your feet, when you have Jesus, he is the Prince of Peace. Wherever you put your feet, you bring peace into that situation. Do you know that? Satan, the enemy, doesn't want you to know that. Do you know that? He doesn't. He wants you to rob you of the fullness of the fruit that is possible in your life. Don't let him. Why would you let him? Don't listen to lies. Anyway... He goes, Naaman, verse 11, Naaman went away very angry. Very angry indeed. Flipping like, I thought he'd at least come to the door. <laughs> That's what he says. I thought he'd at least surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God, wave his hand over me, over the spot and cure me of my leprosy. I thought at least he'd have done that. I'm going home, obviously it doesn't work, waste of time. Come on lads, let's go. Could imagine it, couldn't you? You can imagine him. Verse 12, it says, I not, and then he goes and talks about other rivers. Could I not have gone in one of these other rivers? Because they were probably a little bit cleaner than this, uh, the Nile. Could he not have done that? Jordan. It was the Jordan River. Got that wrong. Did you spot that? 
Did you spot that? I said the Nile and not the Jordan. Thank you. It's a Jordan. So, what do we do? Couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? So he turned and went off in a rage. How often have we gone off in a rage? Have you ever done that? Put your hand up. Have you ever gone off in a rage? Yeah, we do, don't we? I've gone off in a rage. Doesn't get you anywhere, does it? Does it take you into the presence of God? Does it bring peace? No, it just brings you nothing. You know, God speaks to us all the time. This is why we have to connect and get into the story. Rage is not good for you. Hmm. Sad though, it sneaks up now and again, doesn't it? It does. Usually when we're like, usually when we're like, uh, for me, okay, usually when I've got that much going on in my life and just one more thing, you know, it's like, is it the this piece of straw that brought the camel's back sort of little prophecy? Usually like that. You know what? <sighs> Don't load stuff up, okay? <laughs> what did Jesus say? My burden is easy, my yoke is easy, my burden is light, didn't he? So let me carry some of that stuff for you. I carry too much. I do. It's good for me, this. I carry too much. Maybe you do now and again. Anyway, <laughs> so he went down, he said. Oh no, wait a minute. Naaman's servant went to him and said, my father. Oh, okay, yeah. So Naaman's servant went to him. Went to Naaman. Said, my father, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, would you have done it? How much more then when he tells you wash and be cleansed? You know what our problem is? I think, and I'm saying our because you're a human being and I am and I think we kind of like do similar stuff. Our problem can sometimes be we think we've got to do it this way and we've got to do it this way and there's no other way. Would you agree? Sometimes we think it's my way or no way. Take me quite a lot of years to learn to just kind of lose that, especially especially having a, a factory. You know, um, I've realised that actually other people have can do stuff as well. <laughs> so it says, if it had told you to do something like really amazing, you'd like that, wouldn't you? Well, Naaman, go out and slaughter so many armies, and then when you've done all that, come back and we'll heal you. You'll be healed. You know, but no, 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 nothing like that. Why? Because at the cross it was finished. It's the same to us today. You know, we carry burdens of sinfulness. We carry burdens of fear and anger. And Paul says in Galatians, doesn't he? The, the acts of the sinful nature are what? You know, fits of rage. Sexual immorality. Lying. Impatience is in there. You have a read of it. We'll not go now, we have time. But it's in there, Galatians 5. All these things, did you know impatience is, a, is an act of a sinful nature? That's what Paul says. I don't like this stuff, do you? Because <laughs> it's challenging, isn't it? But it is. What do we do with that impatience? You know what, Lord? Just just break that impatience off me. Why am I impatient, for goodness sake? What have I got to be impatient about? You know, in, in Philippians, whatever is good, whatever is right, whatever is perfect, whatever is beautiful, whatever is praiseworthy, think of those things. And quite often I'm thinking of all the stuff that gets me upset. And then it makes me impatient. You're probably not like me. But anyway, that's me. Anyway, he says, <laughs> Naaman and his attendants, where are we up to? The man who stood before him and said, now I know that there's no God in all the world. Okay, we haven't got to that bit yet. So, we're up to verse 13, I think. 
How much more than when he tells you, wash and be cleansed. So verse 14, he says, so he went down. He had to humble himself. Does the Bible say, humble yourself. Humble yourself. Peter, you need to humble yourself. You know what? We need to be, we need to humble ourselves before God humbles us. That's an interesting one. Better to humble yourself before God brings you to a place where you have to become humble. Because when we're humble, God can use us. When we're humble, God can get the best out of us. And so he had to humble himself. He went down to the river. Oh, for goodness sake, I'll have to go down to the river. You can see him. You can imagine him walking in down thinking, well, I can't see this working, but I better do it. You can imagine it. Naaman. He still won't be happy, but he just decides to go. He says, the man of God had told him. And he said, he went in the Jordan seven times. And what happened? His flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy. Wow. That's powerful, isn't it? Isn't that powerful? Do you know what? When we open our hearts and lives to Jesus Christ and we say, Lord Jesus, would you please come into my heart? Would you forgive me for my sins? Would you fill me with your presence? Would you fill me with your spirit? Do you know what? It's just like that. Gone. When we do that from our heart, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Lord, believe in your heart that he was risen from the dead, you'll be saved. Amazing stuff. This gospel message, this gospel, this Bible, this book is just awesome. It's just so full and yet we have to just grab, grasp it and get into it. And so it says, Then Naaman and all his attendants, he went back to the man of God and he stood before him. Look, he still wants to buy it. He wants to pay him now. Thanks for that, Elisha. But I've still got all these ten lots of clothes and all this gold. What am I going to do here? I'd love you. I'd love you to have it. I'd love you to have it. Prophet answered, he said, As surely as the Lord lives, whom I serve, I will not accept a thing. Why? Because Elisha didn't do it. God did it. Elisha didn't do it. God did it. And you can't do it, but God can. If we can do everything in our own strength, where's the glory for God? It is our God that does it. Amen? It's God. What is it? What is it that that is leprous in your life? What is it that's leprous in my life that I want God to lift off me? Because I want to become clean like a small boy. How good's that? It's great, isn't it? Well, I think it's amazing. I think it's amazing. And then he says, he actually said, I will not accept anything. Even though Naaman urged him, come on, Elisha, you must have it. Look, I'm going to have to go all the way back with all this stuff. Please have it. Take it. Have it. It's yours. No, Naaman. This belongs to God, actually. And I will not take it. Take it back. Praise God. And Naaman got it. And he got it at the end because look in verse 17. He said, if you will not, said Naaman, please let me, your servant, and look at this, be given as much earth as a pair of mules can carry, for your servant will never again make burnt offerings and sacrifice to any other God but the Lord. He got it in the end, didn't he? You know, and that's where we need to do. When we get it, when we truly get it, we will never have a desire to make any other sacrifice to anything other than the Lord our God, Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Saviour, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Light of the World, the Bread of Heaven, the Son of the Living God, our Saviour, Jesus. 
This is who we need to put into the centre of our lives. Jesus. I don't know where Jesus is in your life today, but I want to encourage you to put Jesus in the centre of your life. Right in the centre. And let the Holy Spirit come in and guide you and lead you. And he says this, he said, Never again will I make burnt offerings and sacrifices to any other gods. So he had been worshipping other gods in his own self-confession that he'd been worshipping other gods. But never again, I'm not going to do that again. Why? Because his eyes have been opened. His leprosies have been dealt with. You know, when we were in India in, uh, in November, it was amazing. Uh, a guy came up to us, and we'd been praying for so many people. And um, they all had headache, okay? Headaches, one after the other, after the other, after the other, headache. And we just prayed, laid hands on them, the power of God came on, on them, and they just fell on the floor, they were complete, completely out. When they stood up, they're walking off, and I said, well, what's happened? Headache gone? Yeah, headache's gone. And let me tell you, right, after ten, I thought, oh, another headache. <laughs> I did, I were honest. I thought, oh, another headache. So it's an headache, so what, you know. Actually, it was an headache. To them, it was massive, because they don't have paracetamol in a cupboard like we do, or anodine. They don't have that stuff. If you've got an headache, right, what do you do? You take tablets, you want it to go, don't you? Well, I'd kind of like lost that little bit of a thing, you know. So after about ten, I thought, oh, another headache. And I'm thinking, oh, Lord, this is me, you know. Let's have something other than an headache, you know. And Stuart, my friend, came, he was there, and... uh of course, this guy came up, and uh, what's wrong with you? Death in my, I think it was his ear, left ear, I think it was left ear. Let me think, if he were facing me and I put that in, it'd be his right ear, wouldn't it? It'd be his right ear. Death in his right ear. Born death in his right ear. And, and uh, went through an interpreter, death in his right ear. I thought, oh, heck. Scared me. I thought, oh, no. You can do headaches. I don't know if I can do it. Not that I could, but I'm thinking, oh, no, what's going to happen? I were afraid. I didn't have the full faith. I thought, I don't know what's going to happen here. You know. So I just put my hand on. And I just said, in the name of Jesus, here be opened. Well, the guy's face lit up. It were instant, like snuffing a candlelight. It were instant. The guy's face lit up and he could instantly hear. And I looked at Stuart and he looked at me and we went, wow. This is scary. It's the power of God. The power of God, the presence of the living God. You know what? That same power that rose Jesus from the grave that we thought about is in you. It's in you. It's the same power. That same power will deal with whatever you need to be dealt with in your life. That same power, the fear. If you're fearful of something, that same power will deal with your fear. Whatever it might be. It's the same power. I could tell you story after story of miracle upon miracle and miracle. That's why I just love going to India. I can't, it's, it's like intoxicating. I love it. I'm very, 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 very blessed and very honoured that I can actually go. I mean, what a wonderful thing that God would allow me to go somewhere like that. It's amazing. And I know it's not easy, but oh my goodness, when you see God move like that, you think, wow, it's real. Because sometimes we can kind of like, a little bit like an hamster on a wheel, who would you say? You know, like when an hamster runs around a wheel and it keeps running and running and running, don't get anywhere, does it? Do you feel like that sometimes? I do. Sometimes, well, when I go to India, it takes me off the wheel. <laughs> and I'm stuck and I'm lost and I'm out there and I'm, I'm like in the wilderness. I'm like, if God doesn't turn up, nothing's going to happen anyway. Do you know what I mean? And, and God's gracious and he knows me and he shows up anyway. He's amazing. God will show up in your life if you'll give him a chance, if you'll let him. This is an amazing God. 
It is amazing, God. Anyway, verse 18, Naaman says, But may the Lord forgive your servant. May he forgive me for this one thing. When my master enters his temple, Rimmon, and he bows down to his God, and when he's leaning on my arm, and I have to bow also, when I bow down in this temple, may the Lord forgive me for this. You see, by him vocalizing that, he spoke really from his heart. And God looks at your heart and he looks at my heart. And what is your heart saying? Is your heart saying, oh, I, I want to know you, Jesus. I just want to know you so deep. Is your heart saying that? I don't want to, I don't want to be, be bowing down to some other God just because I want to make them happy. Okay, if I've got to be there, I've got to be there. But Lord God, I don't want to bow down. I just want you, Lord, in my life. And that's what Naaman's saying. And we should be the same. There'll be situations that we come into. Paul says, I've got to be all things to all people. Doesn't mean to say that we have to join in with that. Doesn't mean to say we have to agree with that or we have to worship that. It just means to say, look, let's keep the Lord on our heart. Let's keep Jesus centre of everything that we do. And I think if we keep Jesus the centre, I think then we will see a move of God like we've never seen before. I want to encourage you this morning to really keep Jesus the centre. You might have come in here this morning and uh, just wondered a little bit, you know. I think I think God, you know, when we read the scripture like this and we read stuff like this, God is just reaffirming us. He wants to reaffirm you. He wants to reaffirm me. Hey, listen, I'm there. I'm there as long as you let me be. But you have to let me be. You have to let me be. And verse 19, what does Elisha say? He says, go in peace. Go in peace. Go in peace. We all need the peace, don't we, in life? Life can get hectic. And if you look at our world, boy, does that need some peace, doesn't it? Or are you, are you like me? When you look at everything, you think, oh my goodness, everything seems chaos. It does, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. We need peace. Praise God that Jesus will come back again. How do we know? Because he said he would do. Quarter to twelve, Michael. Am I alright? <laughs> We're going to finish there. Go in peace. But, but to finish and leave it like that, you know, I really, I really believe it might be that God has really spoke to you this morning to some stuff. And, um, it's good to seal that in now and again. You know, when you think, you know what? Jesus, you know, you might have come, you might have been afraid of something, you might be fearful for something tomorrow or next week or whatever. Although we know tomorrow we don't need to be, but it's still, we're human, aren't we? Um, it might be that you just need a touch from Jesus this morning and you need just to go somebody, just to go to someone and ask them to pray for you, ask them to uh, pray with you. Whatever, I want to encourage you that it's okay to do that. It's good. Really, it's all throughout the scripture. It is good. It is good. Why? Because we need each other. Amen. So I'm, uh, if, if anyone, if we're going to sing Jesus be the centre, because it's really important that Jesus is the centre, and I want to underline that today. Well, I'm believing God wants to underline that to us today, that Jesus is the centre. And uh, it might be. It might be that you don't know Jesus this morning. You might not know Jesus this morning. Do you know what? Jesus knows you. And if you're here and you don't know Jesus this morning, and you'd like to know Jesus this morning, I want to encourage you to be brave and come forward and say, I want to get to know this Jesus. Because this Jesus is amazing. 
This Jesus opens ears. He does all sorts of stuff. He cleanses us. He cleanses the lepers. He, he lifts us. He, he takes care of our fear. He brings peace. This Jesus. Keep Jesus in the center. Completely. When you have your meeting next week, make sure Jesus. Make sure Jesus is in the center of all that you look and discuss. And don't be afraid. You are born again. You are born again. It might be that you're not born again this morning. If you want to be born again, come and see me. Come forward after. Come forward in this last song if you like. You might think, yeah, I'd really like that, but I'm afraid. You know, fear doesn't come from God. Fear is from the enemy. Fear comes from within. It might be that you're afraid. Well, what will somebody think of me? Forget that. It's nothing to do with them. If you want Jesus, you come and get Jesus. He's amazing. And he'll change your life. might be that you want prayer for something else. Something private. Some sickness. Some healing. Some fear. Whatever. Whatever. Our God's here. Amen. Our God is here.